account in Genesis. Creates the universe, you know, Adam and Eve fall, and then comes the chaos and the wars and the tragedy and the sin and all that. And then they start to prophesy about this Savior that's to come, this Messiah, this God-man named Jesus. And prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, thousands of prophecies, prophesying that Jesus is going to come on the scene, he's going to be born in a manger, he's going to be born of a virgin, he's going to save the world from its sins, he's going to die on the cross, and he's going to be resurrected, and he's going to sit at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority. Whew. See, the <laughs> Spirit of God is coming in this place like waves. I, um, shoof. Uh, the Holy Spirit loves when you talk about Jesus, by the way. <laughs> oh, Lord. He, and he's, he sits at the right hand of the Father. And now we have free access to the holiest of holies because of his blood once and for all. He shed it one time so that we can enter that holy place, that most holy place whenever we want. So all that being said, all the, all the, the, all the, the highway that he provided for us to walk down called the highway of righteousness. And now all he says is, I have set this table in front of you. I'm the one that said on the cross, it is finished. And now all of this stuff is accessible to you. And there's a table set, not only just when things are going great, but the table's actually set in the presence of your enemies. And all he's saying is, after all that's been said and done, come and taste it. This is the gospel. Now come and eat what's good. Come and drink mercy. Come and drink grace. Come and drink love. Come and eat. And Jesus said, you know, if you don't drink my blood and you don't eat my body, you have no place in me. Aren't you glad that it's not just one time? You know, you don't have to eat the whole thing at once, right? Like when you taste a steak, like it takes one bite for you to go, eh, or it takes one bite for you to go, I'm eating this whole thing right now. You know what I mean? Just think about food. So God is just saying every day, have this in you when you wake up in the morning. God, I want to taste more. God, I want to eat more. It's interesting because, you know, just because we're Christians, just because we're born again, doesn't mean we end up being mature Christians. Ouch, right? Just because we're being fed milk in the elementary stages of being a Christian, basic principles, doesn't mean we go on to maturity. Doesn't mean we eventually eat meat. But that's what God wants. It's interesting because the scripture talks about this idea of those that eat and drink of him. How they become mature and through discernment and through practice, they understand what's good and what's evil. So there's a table set before us every morning, and not everything on it is good. The enemy has his own table, and his table is full of nonsense, and it's full of corruption, and it's full of degradation, and it's full of adultery, and it's full of murder, and it's full of molestation, and it's full of, it's just this spread that he has for us. And then God has this other table that he wants us to eat at continually. He wants us to sup with him continually. He wants us to drink of those things continually. So there's choices we make every day. What table do we want to eat from? Is everybody breathing? 
This is what the Bible says, and I, I, this isn't, I didn't give this to them upstairs, but John 6, 27-35 says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has sent his seal on him, has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe it? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, and it's written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus says to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, did did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But that principle of us never hungering and never thirsting has everything to do with us pulling our, t- our chair up to the table and eating what he has for us. It's not something that's automatic. It's not something we just wake up every day and just automatically, it's just, no, no, no. To eat, we have to sit at the table and we have to take our spoon, we have to take our fork, and we have to take our knife, and we have to chop that food up and we have to put it in our mouth. And that's our job. And that leads to maturity. So in Psalms 34, and this is where this originates, David's always getting himself into trouble. 1 through 22, David makes the statement amidst these verses, and he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's always important to know the context of what is happening within the Scripture and before the Scripture. So my Bible literally said it's the Psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech, which means father of the king, who drove him away and he departed. So I'm like, I remember those scriptures, so I'm like, I'm going to kind of dive in there and look at them and see. Because I want to know, (laughs) I want to know when David is saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to know what he just came out of. I want to know what he just experienced. So in 1 Samuel 21, and this is the verses, it's 10 through 15. And this is what it says. It says, then David arose and fled that day from before Saul. And remember, Saul was trying to kill David. Okay, (laughs) and do you remember David is about this tall? And do you remember Saul is like that tall? You remember David's like 150 and Saul's like 280? Okay, so, you know, he's not being chased by someone that is, is, is weak in battle or someone that is just th- this mediocre person. This is Saul, who is head and shoulders above everybody else. He's a big dude. And Saul wants to kill David. Now, have you ever had somebody really mad at you that wanted to fight you? I have. I remember in high school when I was being threatened by certain people, I did not want to go to school that next day because I knew this person wants to beat me up. That's a level of fear and a level of intimidation and a level of, oh, I'm very, very scared right now. That person didn't want to kill me. There's a difference between someone wanting to beat you up and someone wanting to kill you for real. They're not just saying that they're going to kill you. They're literally coming at you with weaponry. So this is where David's at. David is literally fleeing from Saul because Saul wants to legitimately kill David. He's just, he's slightly scared here, right? 
It says, David arose and fled that day from Saul, and he went to this place, uh, to this king, is Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Now, my question was, why? Okay, so David is fleeing from Saul, but he's literally fleeing into the camp of the Philistines. So he's literally going from one enemy to another. And I'm thinking, man, he was really super scared of Saul. I mean, he's not running to a safe haven. He's running to a place where the enemy exists. And my thought is maybe he's just trying to hide. I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to intermingle with the people and just kind of disappear for a while. And in the midst of this, the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David the king of the land? And David's like, Ah! No, 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 no. He's probably like, No, 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 no. Isn't this him the king of the land? Is this not David? Did they not sing of him to one another and dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Hmm. Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior. And I always wonder with this scripture if, if God, if David just did this or God was like, act crazy, act crazy, act insane, act insane. I wonder what he was hearing and thinking about. So David is terrified now. He's like, I just fled from Saul, and now in front of this other king, I just fled from someone who's trying to murder me, and now I'm about to be murdered. It's not a good day. Not, not a good day for David. So they recognize him. David took these words to heart, and he was very much afraid of the king. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands. So he literally is acting insane in front of him, scratching at the doors of the gate, letting saliva fall down on his beard. He's basically, at this point, saliva's falling off his beard. He's foaming at the mouth. He's literally, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about like a rabid raccoon. He's literally acting like a rabid, crazy raccoon to get out of this situation. So fleeing from one murderer to the next, and then here's David acting insane. <laughs> then Akis said to him, to his servants, look, you see this man is insane. Why have you brought him, him to me? Have I need of madmen? When I read that, I was thinking, Bakish was probably surrounded by other people that were insane. And he was probably like, I don't need another one. I don't need another person in my camp that's acting like this. I have enough of them already. He's like, why are you bringing him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And they just usher David away. <laughs> and David, after he acts insane and is scratching at the gate and is foaming at the mouth all over his, and doing that, probably walks away and is like, whew, whew. Man, I was close. But this is the story of David. David is on these roller coaster rides of fear and joy and being scared and being fulfilled. And that's why I like to read the Psalms. Because I know what I'm going through during the day. Lately, I haven't had anybody trying to murder me. And I haven't fled from that murder to another murder. And I haven't acted insane to get out of there. But I know if he delivered David, he can deliver this guy. This is why it's important to get into the scriptures and to read the scriptures and study the scriptures and get them up on the inside of you because it builds this thing called faith. 
So I know in the situations that I get in, whether maybe as severe or more severe or not as severe, I know he's going to deliver me every time. Every time. So all of this has happened, and then David at some point sits down and writes this stuff I'm about to talk to you about after all of that. And this is what it says. This is Psalms 31, verse 1. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. See, our flesh hates trials, and our flesh hates pain, and our flesh hates getting in a tight spot, and our flesh ends, hates getting to this dead end where we do not, what to, do not know what to do. But the, the thing is, is within this stuff is where we get souls of iron. It's where God produces maturity and where God produces perseverance and where God produces endurance and where God builds us to the place where now the next thing that comes at us, we don't cower in fear, but we stand up to it and we say, if you deliver David, he'll deliver me. So God has this process of bringing us in and out of stuff. And it's, again, I always, it's the idea of exercise. Actually, you got to tear down, you got to build up, you got to tear down, you got to build up, you got to tear down, you got to build up. You gotta, and in the midst of it, guess what? You got to eat right. Isn't it interesting that life is the same way? That we go through trials and we go through mountaintop experiences and joys and fears and all of this, but we got to eat the right stuff. In the midst of eating the right stuff in there, God will build us up in him. Not that we are going to be walking around saying, you know, look at me, look at me. No, no, no. We understand that he's the builder right? He's the one building. I'm not building myself. I'm not choosing what trial is going to come to me in the next hour or the next day or the next week or the next, but he knows. He knows exactly what it takes to temper me. He knows exactly what my breaking point is. And there's times where I will come up to that place and I'm like, God, I'm going to snap. God, I feel like I'm going to break. God, I feel like things are about to cave in. And he goes, no, I brought you up to here to teach you something and open up your eyes. Is this the same God that takes the oceans? Millions upon millions upon millions of gallons of water. And he puts his hand down on the beach and he says, you're not going any farther than this. He does the same thing in our trials. He does the same thing in trying to get us to this place of maturity. And he brings us up to these places and he goes, open up your eyes and face it. And in the midst of your enemies, I have prepared a table for you to eat. And that table is him. The table is Jesus. He is the table. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Ah, remember we talked about this idea that when we praise and worship, we're not making God any bigger than he already is, right? What we talk about, we are making him bigger in these eyes because we are walking in a level of perception every day. And there's times, doesn't it, doesn't it feel like this? Those times where it's like, God, where are you? God, I need, your, I need to hear your voice. God, you need to get me out of this thing. God, you need to deliver me in this thing, whatever it is. And it seems like, you know, God seems to be small. But he's never changing. He's always real big. He's big. And he's got it under control. But our minds go to that places with our perception. And we think, but David says, come on, let's magnify him, magnify him, magnify him. 
And it seems to me the way he's talking, it has to do with what's coming out of this. What's coming out of this mouth. Because he could have very well came out of these circumstances, gone into some cave somewhere and hid and be like, I'm done. <laughs> you ever feel like that? I'm done. I have had enough. But he chooses to eat at the right table. He could have chose to eat at the table of bitterness, but he chose to eat at the table of worship and praise. And it changed his paradigm. It changed his perception. It changed everything. And I just wonder sometimes in our own homes, when we feel depressed or we feel down or we feel, man, I'm done, if we would just open our mouth and get over ourselves and start to speak like David's speaking here. We will exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord with me. Isn't it interesting that he's talking about this thing of being together with me? It's one thing to praise at home, but it's a whole other level to praise with people. It's powerful, powerful, powerful. Hey, we bring all, listen, we bring all of our stuff in here. You know, whatever everybody's, oh man, oh man, oh man. Whatever we've gone through this week or last week, we bring it all in the house. And guess what? We're breathing. We're sitting here. We're alive. We're awake. And the enemy wants to just shut us up. But we come in this place with everything that we've gone through and we can still declare his praise. You know how powerful that is? Listen to me. The enemy hates it. He doesn't want anything to do with this. Do you think he's hanging out watching us praise and worship? No, he's getting out of here. <laughs> he hates it. Do you remember what that devil said when Jesus came up to him? He said, why have you come to torment us? Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for pulling down strongholds. And one of your weapons is pure, unrestrained praise and worship. The devil hates it. But the enemy fights you on it, and he fights you on it, and he fights you on it, and he fights you on it. And he gets you to look at the water and the raging waves when Jesus is standing out on the water, and he's saying, get out of the boat and walk towards me. The enemy hates it. That's why they sent the worshipers and praisers out first in the battle. <laughs> Can you imagine an army that is coming against the people of God and the people of God had the praise and worshipers out front? Do you suppose that wouldn't perplex them? Do you suppose it wouldn't frustrate them? Do you suppose it would be the exact opposite of what the enemy thought was going to happen? Sometimes the armies of the enemy will devour each other. But let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. <laughs> These things aren't planned. And he delivered me from all my fears. Every one of my fears. He delivered me from every one of them. They looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. And David starts talking to himself and he says, This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Do you have it in you? The angel of the Lord. Listen to what the angel of the Lord does. The angel of the Lord encamps, encamps all around those who fear him. Remember we talked about this idea of the fear of the Lord. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth and the fear of the Lord. 
That's what God, God is interested in. Fear. Reverence. So the poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps. I want angels encamped around me, in my house, in this house, in the community. Angels, myriads of angels encamped, ready to fight. They're interested in what's going on here today. <laughs> yeah. Hosts of heaven. And camps around those who fear him and delivers them. And then he shifts into this thing. So listen. He's talked about all kinds of stuff here. He's talked about, <laughs> he's talked about the Lord delivering him from fear. He's talked about this people that faces are radiant and they're not ashamed. He's talked about being delivered out of his troubles. He talks about angels being encamped around him who fear him. And then he says, oh, he's taking it to a whole never, another level. You ever been in a place where you get some revelation and you're like, oh, oh. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That word oh is an exclamation in these scriptures. It's everything is ramping up to this place where he's like, oh, <laughs> taste and see that the Lord is good. And you know what led him up to that point? He talked about the goodness, the mercy, and the grace of God. And it was like a roller coaster, just like an engine, like building up steam, like a train building. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he started with what came out of his mouth. He started with praising and worshiping in a time where maybe some people wouldn't do that. Maybe some people would have given up in that spot, but he decided not to give up. <laughs> The way this thing is moving, I'm not talking about the kingdom of God, I'm talking about the kingdom of the enemy. People are going to be in such despair. Do you understand? People are going to be so distraught. The people that have put so much stock in, in, in government and so much stock in these institutions and these things that have been raised up in the earth... And that's where their faith is at. And that's where their desire is at. And that's where their attention is at. The issue is, if you poured everything into that, and it collapses, and it goes south quickly, do you know when the, when the Great Depression hit, do you realize the, a lot of the finance people, they were jumping out of buildings. As soon as they heard what was happening in the market, they literally said, their faith was in the market, and the market collapsed. And you know what they did? They started jumping out and committing suicide out of windows, out of buildings. Because the market collapsed, my faith isn't in that. My faith is in the one who died for me. Nobody else. I know if he died for me, he's big enough to deliver me from death. But he ramps up to this place, oh, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. That word trust, this is so incredible. The word trust is to flee for protection and to take refuge. This is the gospel. This is when things go down. I'm fleeing to him because he's my refuge. 
If I have to shut myself up in some room somewhere, if I have to go for a walk in the woods, if I have to take a drive around, I'm going to him. If I have to get away from people for a while, he's my refuge. I'm going to my refuge for help. And I will pour my heart out to this king. He already knows what we go through. And there's something about that reality of becoming real with him and just saying, ah, ah, ah. Isn't it crazy how we keep stuff bottled up and we keep stuff bottled up sometimes and we keep stuff shut in and we don't tell anything. But he's the king. I'm going to the king and I'm, I'm, I'm crying out to the king and I'm, I'm, I'm spilling my beans. <laughs> I'm spilling everything that I need to spill out to him. He's got it under control and he can handle it. What a savior. What a king. The A and the Z, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Everything's covered. Hmm. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Blessed is the man who knows where to flee. <laughs> Blessed is the man who knows where to take refuge. Because remember, there is a ta two tables set up. And the table of enemy, the enemy will say, come on, I got some unforgiveness here for you. Here, look at this big bowl. Here's a spoon. Oh, do you want me to feed it to you? Here. Here's a big bowl of bitterness. Yeah, yeah, I heard what they said about you. Right? Here's a big bowl of bitterness. Meanwhile, eating at the enemy's table and the person that we have not forgiven and the person that we're bitter towards is out having a party. <laughs> And we think somehow that we're controlling or somehow manipulating the circumstance or somehow punishing them because, oh, we're mad and we're bitter and we're, we're not going to forgive them. And, oh, I'm going to get, the, you know, and it's ridiculous. And the enemy gets people tied up in that, all that distraction and all that nonsense and all that, that web of lies. I just have a sense that just God wants a people that are free. Just a people that are free. That have spiritual intelligence. That, that, aren't, that aren't naive, that aren't no longer, they're no longer children in the kingdom. Now they've grown up and now they're mature and now they know how to fight and they got a big old sword and it's sharp on both sides. And the stuff that the enemy used to come to them with, now they just take the sword and they cut the head off the thing. Just like David. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints. There is no want to those who fear him. <laughs> no want. I want this, and I want that, and I want this, and I want that, and I want this, and I want... How about Jesus? Once you taste and see Jesus, your want stops. And then everything becomes this thing where you start to focus on the kingdom and his righteousness... And the stuff you used to search after for, and you search, and remember what the scripture said, don't labor after over food that, that perishes, but labor after food that's everlasting. And it's amazing how if you focus on him wherever you're at, it doesn't mean you don't do your job. Well, obviously you do your job with excellence or whatever you're involved in, right? But here, there's something about pouring in this spot, this righteousness, this kingdom, and then all of those things are added to you. Why does God have it set up like that? You ever wonder why God has it set up like that? Because he knows people that pour themselves into the kingdom, that are focused on righteousness, that are focused on him, 
Now when these things are added to them, they actually use it for kingdom purposes. So it's not reversed. Do you understand? Like the God, for someone that's immature, God's not just going to just, here, take that, take that to that. Because what? You're not ready. I'm not ready. Right. But when you come into maturity, what's he say? He said, ask what you will and I'll give it to you. Why? Because now I know your motives are right. Now I know you're not going to consume it on your own lust. Now I know the reason why you want to consume it is because you want to eat it and you want to become spiritually stronger in me. And now I can use you to minister to a whole population or whole people, a different person that you might not have been able to connect with. That's who he is. He's, he's smart. <laughs> oh, boy. There's no want in those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, he says. Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Now, the cool thing about Scripture is Scripture always gives you instructions. So David's saying, taste and see the Lord. is Now, now how, how, how is this accomplished? How is this? Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? I want to know how to do this. Keep your tongue from evil. This is the instructions now. This is where God is like, you want to stay at the table and you want to eat and you want to taste it and see that I am good and you want to never thirst and you want to never hunger? Do this. Do this. It's crazy how sometimes it's like this practical stuff. He who desires life and loves many days that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Such simple instructions that we tend to forget sometimes. <laughs> Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it in every situation. Always seek peace. Always seek a middle ground. Then he says this, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. I want his eyes to be on me. I want his eyes to be on you. I want his eyes to be on this work. I want his eyes, his gaze the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. These are important things, because he's seeing and he's hearing. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles, all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken, and that's you start to get into a messianic prophetic scripture here. Speaking of Jesus, he guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. The worshipers want to come up. Y'all can stand. So trusting, fleeing to this refuge, literally to flee for protection. The word taste in this scripture, taste and see the Lord Lord is good, literally means to perceive. You know, isn't it interesting that in the beginning when you talk about Genesis and the creation, 
it talks about this idea that God gave them all these all these herbs, all these plants, and all, you know, and, and he said, and he plants this garden, and then he said, listen, guys, listen, he plants a garden, and then he says, you, listen, you got to get this, you can eat of any tree in this garden, isn't it interesting, taste and see that the Lord is good, you can eat it, any tree, just don't eat this one called the knowledge of good and evil, isn't it interesting that they had all of those choices, and they were all good choices, and I don't know how many trees were in there, was it 25? Was it 100? Was it 1,000? Who knows how many trees were in the garden? But he said, all of these trees are good for you. But he's like, don't eat this one. This one's not good. If you eat it, you're going to die. Isn't it interesting, and this was a revelation to me, that the enemy comes in before they have eaten any tree. So they haven't gone to the other trees. He comes in at an opportune time and offers them that apple off the knowledge of a good and evil tree. He knew that if he could stop it there, if he could get them to disobey that law, which the law was, if you do this, you will die. He knew if he could get them to take that apple and take a bite out of that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, he knew he had them. And I thought while I was reading this, what if, what if they would have gone a little bit farther into the garden and actually taken something good off of one of the trees? What if they would have eaten off another tree and been like, wow, Adam, taste this. Taste this, it's mercy. Taste it, it's grace. Taste this tree, it's forgiveness. Taste this, you won't believe what this tastes like. And then the enemy comes in like that snake and says, take this apple off the knowledge of the tree and good and evil. And they go, why would we want to do that? We've already tasted the good trees. And by the way, God said, don't, don't eat that tree. Why are you coming up to me and trying to get me to do something God said, don't do? Huh. His tactic is the same. So we have all of these trees <laughs> to choose from every day. And the enemy's tactic has not changed. He came to her and he said, she's Oh, it's going to make me wise. Oh, it looks good. It's, it's shiny and bright. And, and it's, going to, it's going to make me smarter. And it's going to, I, I, I got to do it. I got to, yeah, I got to take a bite of that thing. Because there's something on the inside of me that's empty. And I'm going to choose this to fulfill it. And then I take the bite. And it always ends in death. And it always ends in the bottom of nothingness. When Jesus, the bread of life, is like, come on and eat. <laughs> I've got this table set before you every day, especially, it's important in the presence of your enemies, but every day, free access to the holiest of holies to come and get what you want. Because I died, and I was resurrected, and when I was resurrected, when I died, that curtain that kept you from communing with the Father was ripped in two, and now the door is wide open to come in and eat waking up every morning. Today, give me my daily bread, God. <laughs> give me my daily bread. We just pray right now. Lord, we've tasted you. Do you remember the first time you tasted him? The first time? Do you remember? Remember when you realized, wow, he's good. It's just a drop in the ocean from what, what he, how good he is. What we've tasted so far is just a drop. 
keeps unveiling and revealing himself over and over and over again. And we want more of your goodness, God. And we know you told us to restrain our tongues from speaking evil. We, you told us to choose things that are good and not bad. Choose things that are righteous and not evil. And in those places, we see you more clearly. Our conscience is linked up with you. Clear! <laughs> you want to see heaven? Have a clear conscience. You want to move into things of God? In power and authority? This pure river, the Spirit of God. And we seal this word today in your people. We've tasted and we've seen that you are good, Lord, but we know this is just the tipping point. This is just, just a drop of what you have for your people in these days to come. And I'm encouraging you to keep riding the wave, keep riding the momentum, and do not stop. In fact, accelerate. Keep moving forward. And we worship and praise you, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the healer of all of our diseases, the healer of everything that is out of place. And we pray right now for things that are out of place to come back in alignment. Hear me now. Things that are out of place to come into alignment. Engines have to be in line. Engines have to be in line to function properly, to fire properly, to be smooth. We need the oil. We need oil. We need oil. We need the oil of the Spirit of God in our lives. And we worship and we praise this King, not just here, but wherever we're at. We don't come to church just to praise and worship. We, hey, listen, this is, the, this, is, this is the get together and let's celebrate and let's rejoice and let's, hey, let's have a party right? Let's have a party in him, right? Let's celebrate him and what he's done. But we do this all the time. This morning, as I was worshiping, I heard alarms sounding and they were sounding so loud that it began to hurt my ears. And this is what the Lord is saying. Rise up, children. Take your positions. Arise from your slumber. Let my fire burn off that numbness that holds you back, that the enemy has placed on you. It's time to rise and take your governmental position. My gift for you today is faith. I said it, you believe it. Look at what my Father is doing. This is time. This is the hour for the church to rise, the ecclesia which means church. The Greek means leg legislative assembly, a governmental place of authority. And this lines up with Matthew 16, 5 through 19. And that word says in the Passion that only the things of heaven are allowed in our life. Everything else is forbidden. It's illegally trespassing. And it says, I am giving you the revelation of who I am and the authority that I gave you. Stand up, children, pray, tear down the strongholds, worship your king. It's time for the government of God to come and cover the earth. My kingdom come, my glory come and cover the earth. Yeah. Co-labor with heaven, release the angels, 
Watch and see what I am doing. No longer let the darkness cover the earth and try to control it. Rise up, my children. Release the kingdom. And I see you and I hear you. Let my light be released. I guess we should look up because our redemption is drawing nigh. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray all these things and seal this in your name. Amen.